All right, hey everybody, welcome to episode 7 of So Let's Talk Horror. I'm your host, Chris McAfee, and this week we're going to kick off the episode with a couple notable news updates before we jump into our movie review. So first we have been provided brand new news on the Matt Reeves directed The Batman film. It's first official trailer that hit the internet via the virtual DC fandom event. And we did not receive some lightweight limped-in teaser. Instead, we were given the privilege of a very generous two-minute trailer loaded with awesome footage and plot details. What's pretty wild is that, according to Reeves, uh, this tale's only about 25% filmed, so lots of work to be done. And uh, as a result, I say keep up the fantastic job. I'm super impressed and will be purchasing a ticket for that one. It's dark. It's gritty, and I have a feeling this has high potential as one us horror fans can sink our fangs into. You have to check out this trailer. Warner Brothers DC's The Batman is currently set for release October 1, 2021. Uh, next, we have the Fantasia Film Festival, currently in progress. Uh, wielded some terrific news during John Carpenter's hour-long masterclass conversation. Carpenter noted that The Thing is the film he's most proud of. And, by the way, one of probably my most favorite Carpenter film. And, uh, anyway, I digress. And uh, he went on to tease us a little bit. Uh, when speaking about Jason Blum, Carpenter elaborated, I think he's going to be working on The Thing, rebooting The Thing. So I may be involved with that. Maybe, down the road, we might further want to assess Frozen Hell which is a title-expanded version of John Campbell Jr.'s Who Goes There, which is the original foundation for Carpenter's The Thing. So uh, so anyway, so that wraps up our uh, notable news updates for the week, and uh, I'm going to jump into this week's highlighted movie title then, The House That Jack Built, released in 2018, and uh, I'll just segue right into the overview of the film here. So uh, we are set in the United States Pacific Northwest during the 1970s where we are introduced to our main character, Jack. Jack is an extremely intelligent engineer who fancies himself an aspiring architect, though through this period he has committed a series of murders throughout said region spanning over a decade. Our sociopath via his POV recounts each of the highlighted and progressively elaborate murders with an unknown character in Verge. Each murder, as he recounts these memories in almost documentarian-style narration, considers one after the next a more perfect work of art, defining his career, in quotes, as a serial killer. Jack is ever chasing this unrelenting need for perfection in this demented, all-consuming art project, and he is all in, leaving nothing back as he goes to greater and greater extremes to outdo the previous. As these murders unfold and stack up, no pun intended, maybe pun intended, a very dark and disturbingly sinister theme shines through via his philosophical and oftentimes humorous lens. This is one fucking wild ride. The tagline to this movie is, if you feel like screaming, you probably should. And you probably should. <laughs> we have the director, uh, who is also the writer on this film, Lars von Trier, and uh, the ever-so-talented, uh, what a filmography this man has. So uh, I'm going to come through some of that and uh, share some of these titles with you. And I, I can't say that I haven't seen any of these, actually. And uh, I'm interested in, in checking out 
all of them, actually. So uh, I'll start from the top and, and work my way down. Uh, but the first one we got is Melancholia in 2011. It's a sci-fi feature uh, featuring Kirsten Dunst, Charlotte Gainsbourg, Kiefer Sutherland, Alexander Skarsgård. I mean, what a cast. So, uh, so definitely interested in checking that out. Uh, the next one is definitely high on my list of things to do as well in Antichrist. Uh, that was done in 2009. It's a horror film featuring William Defoe, uh, who I love in Charlotte's Gainsbourg as well. Uh, so that, that sounds a pretty nifty, pretty handy title. Uh, the next being uh, Dogville then, uh, done in 2003, uh, which is uh, crime-related featuring Nicole Kidman, uh, the ever-so-cool Paul Bettany, Lauren Bacall, uh, Harriet Anderson, and then in 2000, we have Dancer in the Dark, which is also crime and featuring Bjork. So we have that one. Uh, Breaking the Waves was done in 1996, which is a, a drama featuring Emily Watson, uh, the ever so talented. And then we have uh, also in horror, uh, Mystery, steeped in uh, the, the TV show that ran uh, 1994, The Kingdom. So I'm really interested in checking that one out. Uh, then you have Europa in 1991, which is a thriller uh, featuring Udo Kier. Uh, Epidemic in 1987, which is also horror, and The Element of Crime in 1984. So, uh, so all good stuff. Uh, it really rounds out. He's got a heck of a heck of a filmography and uh, is very well revered in the world of cinema, obviously. So. So interested in, in getting up to speed on Mr. Von Trier. So moving on from that, I wanted to jump into the cast and the major billing for this movie. I was going to start with with a woman that needs no introduction in Miss Uma Thurman. Uh, she plays Lady Number One. And uh, for anybody taking notes, she's been in Quentin Tarantino's Everything uh, but she certainly starred in uh, 2003's Kill Bill Volume 1 and the follow-up in uh, 2004, uh, Volume 2, as the bride, uh, Beatrix Kiddo. And, uh, and then you have his 94 uh, smash hit in Pulp Fiction uh, as she played, uh, obviously, Mia Wallace. So, uh, so moving on from Uma, and she's really wonderful in this film, although... Uh, I'll be at brief, <laughs> but we do get her, uh, which is really pretty cool. Uh, we, ha we have another uh, maybe unfortunate uh, woman <laughs> in this, in this uh, fine film uh, that plays the character Simple, and that is played by one Riley Keough, uh, who is notable granddaughter of Elvis Presley uh, and the daughter of Lisa Marie Presley and Danny Keough. So she's been in a number of titles that I have seen recently and uh, enjoyed very much. Um, one being uh, Trey Edward Schultz's 2017 feature, It Comes at Night. Uh, she plays Kim. Uh, David Robert Mitchell's uh, 2018 feature, Under the Silver Lake, which is still under the radar. And I love that film. She plays Sarah, and it's great. And everybody needs to see that film. It's so weird and bizarre and long and just all over the place but it's cool uh i i'm definitely going to be reviewing that film at some point uh here probably pretty soon but god i love that film that was a lot of fun so uh so there's that and then we have uh severin fiala veronica franz's uh 2019 feature that i just watched and we'll be reviewing next in the lodge and she plays grace and she is excellent in that
So uh, that is uh, the two uh, leading ladies that I wanted to note. Uh, we also have a gentleman by the name of Verge in the film, played by Bruno Gans, and uh, he starred in Stephen Daldry's 2008 feature, The Reader, as Professor Rawl. Uh, he was also, uh, he starred in as the lead uh, Adolf Hitler in 2004's Downfall, and then also in uh, Demi's 2006 feature as Kurt Heinrich in The Ode to Joy. So, uh, so all very notable. And then to round out the billing, uh, we have Jack, who is played by ever so talented Matt Dillon. Uh, another that, that needs no introduction, in my opinion, um, for what it's worth. So, so yeah, so he was in the Fairly Brothers 1998 smash hit, There's Something About Mary, and he played Healy. Uh, so that should ring some bells and was also in Paul Haggis's, uh 2004 crime thriller Crash as Officer Ryan and then uh, played uh, in City of the Ghosts um, opposite James Caan as Jimmy. He also directed that, uh, starred and directed. So and then uh, who could forget um, John McNaughton's 1998 Wild Things as uh, Sam Lombardo opposite Neff Campbell and Denise Richards. So all really, really, really great stuff. All right, so the runtime on this film is 152 minutes. So we have two hours and 32 minutes of pure Jack serial killer. And let me jump into the notables of this film. The film had its world premiere at the Cannes uh, International Film Festival on May 14, 2018. It was reported that more than 100 audience members, including critics, walked out during the premiere. Now, the upset audience members condemned the film via social media for its extreme violence and nihilistic tone. That said, a six-minute standing ovation followed the screening. There was a lot of audience backlash to, to an openly graphic scene depicting a very young version of Jack who mutilates a duckling on screen. I was shocked at how realistic this came off, uh, and this was an effect. Uh, this was achieved on set with the assist of special effects. Our little duckling was not harmed in any way. PETA actually came out publicly during the time of this film and defended it openly uh, in a statement publicly praising its accurate portrayal linking adolescent animal abuse with psychopathy. Animal cruelty is actually known to be a common trait among serial killers at youth. So moving on from that, uh, one of the notable points, Von Trier did such an amazing job filming this movie as it looks like we have near documentary style footage of each murder real time. And the film looks really great. Uh, throughout the film's runtime, I did find my way down into the darkly humored recesses of its parts. It's super fucked up, man, and, and I laughed an awful lot uh, at its expense. Um, an example of this, we kick things off with Jack's first victim, played by Uma Thurman, which was, if you recall, lady number one, uh, who laying the desperation on Jack quite heavily as he happens to pull up to her broken-down vehicle on the side of the road. Uh, in their light conversation, ironically and somewhat consistently, Uma pokes fun at him about him looking the part of a serial killer, then insists on him giving her a ride to a mechanic to fix her car. He humors her 
multiple attempts later despite a series of fairly unfortunate events and serious annoyances before she finally lays the last straw that breaks through Jack's proverbial back and psyche into the evil lurking inside him. Von Trier does not for one second take an, take an instant and unabashed approach to depicting, depicting this carnage. And for that, you get the head, you get the tail, you get the whole damn thing. I lost it in several instances during this first chapter, playing out real time in a very darkly comedic lens. Definitely a darkly comedic lens, uh, but it's a good one. In another instance early on in the film, uh, we learn that Jack has obsessive compulsive disorder. Uh, Jack starts off this chapter incredibly awkward. You almost grimace watching him flail around through a near-fail attempt to be invited into another woman's home that he has targeted. His routine is flawed, and the woman's distrust nearly keeps the inevitable from happening. Uh, He is able to get past her guard, though, and follow through. Through this scene, his OCD takes over, causing him to return from this ridiculous van parked out in the front of the victim's home, no less, repeatedly into the living room of the woman he just strangled to death. He just can't seem to let go of that itch on his brain about the possibility that he left a bloody fingerprint under the rug or a small pool of blood behind a painting. So it's just this methodical re-entry of the home, double and triple checking for something missed, nearly getting himself nabbed in the process by a local cop. It's absolutely hilarious. So anyway, uh, later in the film, Jack does elaborate candidly about his neuroses, and uh, we get a clip of Jack explaining the compulsion to kill through his analogy of walking down a street underneath street lamps. So I wanted to play a small sample of that. So here we go. But what about repentance, Jack? The ones I deal with tend to repent all over the place. I repent nothing, no matter how long we have to walk. But I did think of something the other day. Imagine a man walking down a street underneath the street lamps right under a light his shadow is the densest but also the tiniest then when he starts to move his shadow grows in front of him the shadow becomes bigger and bigger while it thins out and the shadow behind him from the next lamppost emerges and becomes shorter and shorter until it reaches its ultimate density as the man stands directly underneath the light Let's say that the man standing underneath the first lamppost is me when I've just committed a murder. I feel strong and content. I start to walk and the shadow in front of me grows bigger, like my pleasure. But at the same time, pain is on its way, represented by the shadow behind me from the next lamppost. And at the midpoint between the lampposts, the pain is so great, it outweighs my pleasure. And with every step forward, pleasure dissolves and pain intensifies behind me. Finally, the pain is so unbearably intense that I have to act. So when I reach the point with the next lamp and Zenith, I will kill again. I know you want to be someone special, Jack. But let's face it, this illustration can be used for any addict's tale of woe. The alcoholic empties the bottle at the zenith, etc., etc. All right, so hopefully you enjoyed that. 
we get a lot of that introspection throughout the course of the movie um, as we go through the stages of, of the different chapters in his serial killer career and so on. So uh, Matt Dillon, I can say, is absolutely fantastic in this film. Initially, we get this stereotypical-looking psychopath. Um, as we move further along, though, uh, through Jack's career, and he finds success as a serial killer, upping his self-confidence, uh, we get more of the risk-taker out of him. By the end of the story, Matt is just off the rails wild, and he really owns this transformation in a big way. I mean, really, truly. It's nothing short of amazing. Uh, he, he's outstanding. So, uh, and that's a good segue into the next clip that I wanted to, to share with you, which is where Jack pays a pseudo confidant in character Simple, played by very talented Riley Keough. So, let's take a closer look at that, which is also tagline of the movie, coincidentally. Uh, so, we'll go there. So, I hope you enjoy this too. Are you leaving? I was just gonna go get some pills. Do you have my, my key? I'm not gonna take some random pills. You know, I really think I deserve better than this. downstairs every time we start to have have a good time right are you walking without your crutch and you aren't using it downstairs either Some neighbors you have. You want to try the window? 
I just want my keys. Alright, I hope you enjoyed that. That was an outstanding scene between Matt and Riley. Uh, they do such a wonderful job there. So, all told, uh, we got a lot of really great highlights throughout this film. Um, and there's a lot of highlights in general throughout this film for what it is. A lot of expose, uh, inside the mind of a serial killer, a ton of unabashed graphic imagery, dark humor, fuck, tons of dark humor, <laughs> steeped in dark humor, great performances. It's a really sharp looking film. Uh, it's got a really neat slant on that. And then you get these light touches throughout. Uh, there are several uh, times where Verge asked Jack, do you want me to show you the way to the next whiskey bar? Which is an ever so cool reference to the Doors' Alabama song. So I hope you enjoyed that. I had to uh, to play that for you, and I want to wrap it up on that note. Um, this is a fairly new release, and again, I didn't want to get too uh, too far into an actual full-on review where I'm going to do a lot of spoilers and things like that and get into the spoiler territory of it. Um, so I wanted to keep enough of it fresh. Um, I, I kept some of the brutal stuff out of, of what I was talking about and uh, certainly elaborated on some of it, but there's a ton of content. Again, this is a fairly long movie, long film, and uh, there's a lot to be had there. So uh, I would say as far as my recommendation goes to segue into that on rewatchability, I would say it's pretty moderate to high, um, if this is your thing, for sure. Um, so I've enjoyed it. Uh, as far as the satisfaction factor goes in what it is, I would say it's definitely solid, solidly moderate. And uh, I, I, had a, I had a lot of instances in where, um, although, you know, there's some, there's some really tough material in this film, um, th there's also, like, a lot of dark humor and uh, it's really nicely wrapped, and uh, I, I, I appreciate it on that level. So uh, the scare factor uh, is pretty low. Um, you're not going to get, I don't think, too wrapped up into anything there. But um, as far as a, a psych factor goes, it's, it's quite high. Um, this, this definitely gets in your head. And, uh, you know, in some of the ways that we're, we're seeing everything real-time graphically, it's definitely in your head, you know, so so be cognizant of that. But as far as an overall approval, uh, this definitely is SLTH approved. And I would say check this film out. Um, it's another reason why I wanted to leave it open-ended in that uh, I really uh, feel that this has been flying under the radar a little bit and uh, it definitely needs uh, some some extra eyes on it and deserves that. So, So where you can find this film and view it, uh, it's currently streaming on Hulu at the time of this podcast uh, recording, uh, the theatrical version. Uh, there's two versions out there. There is a director's cut, and uh, both are actually streaming on Amazon Prime Video. Uh, currently, uh, you can rent or buy those in a uh, standard definition or high def on VOD. On physical media, we have both Blu-ray and DVD formats available. Uh, the Blu-ray is a Scream Factory release, which is super exciting. I own it. 
It includes both the theatrical and director's cuts of this film. Uh, Sonic Prize, we have the interview with uh, director Lars von Trier. Uh, so that's really wonderful. There's a teaser trailer on there. There's a theatrical trailer on there. Uh, it is two discs, uh, Region A, and it's a, a hard rated R. Um, so that is uh, that's definitely worth, worth seeking out. And uh, they, they do a, a lovely job with, uh, with the transfer, as always, and uh, giving you a really nice package there. So, so to wrap up the episode, hopefully you've enjoyed Episode 7. If you've not done so, please feel free to subscribe to the show and share this with friends and family you know. A positive review will always help out the show tremendously. It helps get the show out to more people. Uh, separately, you can also find the show via social media on Twitter at slth underscore podcast on instagram at slth dot podcast you can also track the show via the patreon website at patreon.com all right so again i want to thank you for listening excited to bring you the next horror movie review until then stay curious stay scared take care of yourself and i will talk with you all next week